Global Focus, Distance Learning on the African Continent. The University of South Africa, UNISA, will host the 44th Board Meeting of African Council of Distance Education in Pretoria from tomorrow until Friday, the 19th of August. The ACDE, African Council for Distance Education, is a continental educational organization comprising African universities and other higher education institutions that are committed to expanding access to quality education and training through open distance learning, including e-learning. This meeting will also see the conclusion of an MOU, Memorandum of Understanding, that is between UNISA and Zimbabwe Open University. The main thrust of this bilateral agreement includes pedagogical and scientific exchanges of lecturers, researchers, and students at all levels, undergrad, postgrad, teaching and training programs, as well as collaboration in many other areas. Professor Mbine Makwe is on the line from UNISA. He's the Commonwealth of Learning Chair in Open Education Practices and Resources. Prof, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for, for the invitation. It's great that Africans are meeting as Africans to discuss matters that are particular, peculiar, and relevant to them, more especially when we're engaging matters to do with higher learning. Perhaps talk to us about the work, if you will, of the ACDE and the impact it proposes to have and over a period of time now has had and continues to have in the configuration and continued reconfiguration of institutions of higher learning on the African continent, more especially where you are when there's engagement of this pan-African kind. Thank you very much um, for, for, for that and, and for the invitation to come and talk about the African Council for Distance Education, the ACDE, which is an education organization, a continental educational organization that is comprising of all universities, most universities in Africa, but those that have distance education components in them. As you know, there are a lot of contact universities who are now becoming or going into distance. And COVID has actually elevated that because it has virtually forced almost all institutions of higher learning to go to an online space, to go to distance space, and also to try and use the systems that open education, open and distance education has been using over the years. This association has been around for since 2004. And it's, uh, the, the, the headquarters are in Kenya, and, and it started, the first conference actually was held here in South Africa at the University of South Africa in 2005. And, and that was its inaugural um, conference. And it's an association of all people who are interested in widening participation to higher education. As you know, distance education institutions are not many, even in the continent. They are not necessarily many. In, in South Africa, for an example, UNISA was the only one that was distant for a long time. Mm. But as we know, UNISA enabled a lot of people to have access to higher education. Those who were in prison were able to mm. study through UNISA. Those who are working are studying through UNISA, upgrading of teachers. So we, we have produced quite a lot of people through this system of, of education. And other countries in the continent where originally there was only one university, they started going the route of 
introducing open or distance education within their 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 traditional universities mm. in order to attract those people working adults who would like to upgrade themselves and 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 other people who want to to study but are, are unable to study full time and there are many and I can even mention people with disabilities. They find it easier to study through distance because they can be at home. Mm. They don't mm. have to deal with a whole lot of other issues. They can be at home as long as they have the the right connectivity, the right devices. Because now with technology, it enables virtually all of us to, to be able to use it. There are accessibility tools that you can use technologically that will enable someone who's blind, someone who can't hear, to be to be in the comfort zone of their home and study without having any issues. So those are some of the things that um, the, the principles of openness in education mm-hmm. are promoting. It's just beyond the flexibility of studying wherever you are, anytime you want. But it also deals with the flexibility of a, being able to choose what you want to study. And, and and let's face it, COVID has taught us as well that there are a lot of things that we need to reskill ourselves. And how else can we do that if we are working adult? These are some of the things that we need to think about. We need to reskill ourselves, including managers who now have a whole lot of people who are working from mm. home. You need to reskill yourself in management in terms of how do you deal with managing people that you can't see. <laughs> Easier so said than done. There are a lot of other things. For sure. I mean, now, we need to move. Um, I, 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 I also do research on the futures of higher education. And what we do in, in, that, in that research is beginning to relook or rethink about a different kind of a, a different kind of higher education. Mm-hmm. And you can't think of a different kind of higher education without thinking of a different kind of community. Because in higher education, we prepare people to engage and work in a community that is different from the one that we are in now. Let me engage that point in relation also to some of the points that you have made previously. You know, I'm going to use this guardedly, but nonetheless in a very callous manner. UNISA, one would say, would have had a head start purely by the structure of its distance learning program when it came crunch time in the heavy days of COVID, certainly when everything just had to be shut down and people had to be remote literally. Perhaps the transition traditionally for UNISA might not have been as difficult, say, for a typical university just down the road from where you guys are, University of Pretoria, which prides itself in being a contact university. Mm-hmm. That teaching, that IP, that institutional memory and capacity that you have, which at some point, and I still think the fact is, you're the biggest um, distance learning university, certainly in in Africa and the Southern Hemisphere, but I think even the world, unless things have changed, how much Mm -hmm. of just that um, way of doing things, being an open learning and distance learning university, would have been tapped into just even locally to manage the necessary transition from traditional learning methods, contact-based, to distance learning, just within the South African context, because you've got the numbers, you've got the capacity, you certainly know how to interface the online and the technological space better, certainly, Mm. than other universities. How important would that have been two years ago at this time? Uh, 
um, it was extremely important. When other universities were, were not sure what to do, especially during the hard lockdown. I mean, COVID just turned the world around. They just stopped us from moving from one place to the other. It stopped us from communicating with each other. Can you imagine if we didn't have cell phones? I always thought of if that happened without cell phones, without anything, how were we going to survive? Mm. Because what made us survive and what made us kept, um, kept going or connected was the fact that we have a, a, a technology that we can use. Now, when other universities didn't know what to do because they are used to teaching face-to-face, mm. we were already at the stage where we could teach. And we also have our exams. It was not a problem to, to have exams for UNIFA students. Mm. It was not a problem to continue with learning because that's what we do. Mm. It, 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 it was just a different way of doing it because then when we had other options of having exams in a day and all of a sudden exams had to be at home, it, it, it had to be at home or it had to be wherever you are, then it created another issue again. Because as much as we were distance and everything was done remotely, when it came to exams, exams we, we, we gathered in big halls, we got the calls where people can gather and write their exams. And now that was not possible. But we still managed to do it because we are used to numbers, huge numbers. We are used to, to moving around. And we managed to have our exams um, despite all that mm. when other institutions were struggling. Hence, I'm saying COVID has taught us something and we shouldn't go back sure. to where things were because... Uh, the world is not standing there. It has moved, and it will continue to move. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, grocery, now we get groceries delivered at our home. <laughs> you, just, you just connect online, and, yeah. and you bank uh, through, through, through this technology, these devices. We do virtually everything. That point you are raising... That, that that point you're raising there, Prof. Mbina, and for those who've just joined, uh, Professor Mbina, Commonwealth of Learning Chair in Open Education Practices, Stroke Resources at UNISA. We're talking about the fact that for the next three days, UNISA will be hosting the African Council for Distance Education. It's a board meeting, for the 44th of its kind, taking place in Pretoria. Let me just get back to the last point, the fact that there are certain things that COVID has taught us that we don't have to jettison with simply because we are living in a more post-COVID world and one that resembles pre-COVID than anything else. Precisely on that point, and looking at the fact that, generally speaking, not in specific terms, in general terms, infrastructure at a lot of South African universities at times is probably not what it should be for the purposes Mm -hmm. of the 21st learning classroom or learning environment. And the Mm -hmm. same is true for the greater African continent. It might even be more pronounced in other African countries. The value that that brings, therefore, for the advent of technology, particularly the fourth industrial revolution, where perhaps the infrastructure backlog to a point might be mitigated against by a proper and fully functional and integrated online world for access to information, pretty much the same models along distance learning lines, to bring more people into the mainstream, to bring those otherwise who might not access the physical infrastructure of university and all the hurdles one has to jump to be able to be a student physically there. 
does the online platform and distance learning model combined not open the platform of higher education, opening access, and so make that much more realizable the right to education, which many African constitutions recognize? Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I fully agree with you. Look, there's something that we forget in higher education, that we have a social justice mandate mm. to fulfill. And, and social justice mandate means that we, as, as public-funded higher education institutions, we must ensure that every person is not left behind. Now, I, I hear that there are a lot of issues. We are way behind with ICT infrastructure. But another thing that COVID taught us is that, yes, we had those things, but we managed. And what made us manage during that time? And, and, and it will stop us from managing going forward. And uh, we, we cannot keep on saying we don't have, we don't have. The world will move without us. Absolutely. They're saying that it, it has faltered. You know, there is, there is no way that we can be able to go back to where we were. We, we have moved on. Let me give you an example. Mm. When I teach in, in higher education, when I teach someone who's registering this year, have gone through, and, and maybe the first year student is registering. They've, they've done their metric through COVID, and so they were forced to do WhatsApp learning and and, and, and laptops and all these things that they had to use. And then that person, when they come into higher education, and then I expect them to sit in class when they're used to connecting online, when they're used to doing all those things online, they won't be able to do them because we have exposed them to a different types of learning. The other thing also, knowledge is no longer the preserve of the field. Knowledge is no longer a, something that is in the head of a teacher. Knowledge is accessible everywhere. Mm. And whether good or bad. Yes. And all of us are authors of everything. You go to TikTok, you go to, to uh, Twitter, you go to every social media. We are all authors. We are all writers. Yeah, we, we come up with things, true or not, but those we do. And those things are available to everybody. Now, we need to start thinking about content in a different way. We need to start looking at, we need to allow our students to be able to look at the right content. We need to teach them what is the right content to go into, what content will help you to do this and that and the other, rather than just giving them one textbook and expecting them to read from it. By the way, I don't believe in, t- in textbooks because I'm in ODL and, and I'm an open education resource person. I believe that uh, uh, um, resources that are given up using public funds mm. should be made publicly accessible. So the open education resources is based on the issue that you don't sell books. Books are going to be available online and you will be able to access them online. You'll be able to access any educational educational material online so that you can be able to to learn. And that also cuts down on other costs that we usually have. Um, that relates to education. So, so that's another that's another issue that we promote 
in the African Council for Distance Education. Very we well. promote issues of openness because that's where it comes from. We promote the issues of flexibility, learning wherever you are. We promote issues of, of student-centeredness, try to personalize learning to an individual rather than conduct learning to everybody. When we teach a junior, we teach an individual student sitting somewhere. We don't teach a group of students. Yes, Let me move on. Let me move on. I am running out of time, Doc. Um, let's talk about the MOU that will be concluded between UNISA and Zimbabwe Open University. And it comes across as one now. There will be a lot of exchanges, cultural exchange, exchanges, teaching exchanges, research exchange at all levels. And I think this is how you really facilitate a more pan-African curriculum. This is how you facilitate an exchange of ideas that are relevant to the African students, many of whom are found in UNISA, many of whom are found in Zimbabwe, and the nature of Africans to integrate, certainly at a regional level, as SADC is, this becomes therefore imperative that the student doesn't miss out by virtue of being in one geography at the expense of another. Correct, correct. And that's that's why we have a memorandum of understanding, because this MOU will mean that not only Zimbabwe students come to South Africa, but South African students also should study in Zimbabwe. We can exchange courses amongst each each other. We can exchange researchers. and, And this relationship has been going on over the years. We are just solidifying it now. Now at universities, you have individual researcher working with another researcher in another university outside of the country. But now we are trying to say, let's work together so that this is formalized. It's not like a relationship of one individual academic who wants to work with an, 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 an academic at Zimbabwe Open University. And this is what we mean. By, by, by being regional and by being continental. We are intentional in doing that and intentional in making sure that we have a memorandum of understanding with many other countries. We have assisted many countries, actually, to be, as you know, being the oldest. We, we assisted many uh, countries in the continent and in the world to, to go the ODL route, to go the open distance learning route, and also to to start universities that are open in nature, that are distant in nature. So this is one but other, many other responsibilities that we do, one other role that we do at, at the University of South Africa. Final comment in relation to the 44th board meeting that is taking place from tomorrow until Friday, African Council for Distance Education. How much of those deliberations therefore become talking points or entry points into engagements with the departments of basic education at one level, but especially the Department of Higher Education and the stakeholders of the higher education space within the country and broadly on the continent. I don't imagine these conversations are happening in the university space silo, if I can use that language, but rather should Mm. be used to integrate from a policy development perspective together with opportunities in in learning and the facilitation of learning science and technology and the like, but also at some level for commerce. So this conversation, how is it distributed beyond the dialogue itself? And um, um, this 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 uh, conversation can go even beyond because we are engaged very heavily in policy development, in also helping the African Union 
uh, we are part of the African Union that deals with policy issues in relation to distance education and digital uh, digital learning. And we also work with other associations that are like us. The International Council for Distance Education, for an example, is one association that we work with where we, we, we add, we, 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 we exchange views in terms of this type of, 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 of um, this mode of delivery. So we are communicating with government. We are, in fact, our government has policies on distance education. They have policies on uh, frameworks on open learning that we need to take forward. And unless we engage in this kind of discussion, countries wouldn't have policies or countries wouldn't have uh, even this kind of uh, of this kind of discussion. We've gone to many countries in the continent where we developed, where we helped countries to develop policies on open distance education, so that they can start also to 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 have distance education in their own countries. So this goes broader than what it is right now, and there are more and more countries, there are more and more institutions, and also more and more countries that sees the value of going the route of open distance learning in order to enable access into higher education. Fantastic. And to widen participation. It's a pity we don't have more time because uh, this is an important topic, a very necessary topic, just to understand the issues outside the instruction-based part of higher education, but sort of the value higher education plays. I mean, in regional integration, for instance, I mean, that's the value of having all these African institutions represented, making synergies with policymakers and being part of the Mm. policymaking space. That's also a conversation that's worthy. But also just embracing technology and the world in which we now live and lessons from COVID and things that can now become institutions, fortuitous as they may be, but these are great and fortuitous discoveries which don't have to be jettisoned with unfortunately always thank you so much though dr mbine professor mbine makwe thank you thank you i enjoyed this conversation i did actually thank you thank you for saying that i appreciate that wonderful (laughs) thank you hey man did you hear that good old prof enjoyed a conversation with yours truly